So this week's episode is all about sales. I had Jack Cahill on the show and Jack is a very good friend of mine and he's a senior account executive at Wayflower, which is a fintech startup. And he's been working in sales now for I think about seven or eight years. He's had lots of different types of sales jobs over that period and has progressed to a point where he's a really successful um, salesperson and is making a really, really nice income and lifestyle for himself from that. And we basically spend the whole time just going deep on what life is actually like in sales. So we talk about what the career path looks like, the different types of jobs that you can have as you progress through in the different paths, one being a managerial one, the other one being more around staying as an individual contributor. We also talk about what your salary and your commission actually looks like as a salesperson. So if you don't understand what OTE is or 60-40 splits or how commission works and targets, we really go deep into that. And we talk about the specifics of how much money you can make at different stages of a career in sales. And it actually blew me away. It can be a lot, by the way. And we talk about what the lifestyle is like as a salesperson. We kind of dispel some of the myths around there. So I ask some questions around, do you really need to be an extrovert to be a good salesperson? Is sales all about whining and dining? Do you ha- is it a bit of a work hard, play hard lifestyle? And we get into that and we talk a bit about what an actual day-to-day looks like in sales as well. So if you've got any interest in sales, whether you're working in it already or you're considering it as a career, it's definitely a great podcast for you to figure out more about this direction. If you're not interested in sales, maybe skip this episode. I mean, Jack's a great guy. He's really funny and he's got some great stories. But if you have zero interest in sales, it's probably not the best one for you. And you can just skip forward and listen to some of the other ones instead. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show. Let's get into it. Jack, thanks for having a chat with me this morning. How's it going? Good, mate. Good to be here. Good to be here. I've been listening to a couple of the episodes so far. Awesome stuff. Good stuff. So for anybody listening, you probably already picked up uh, Jack's Kerry accent from Ireland. So tell me a bit about where, where you grew up down in Kerry. What was it like? Yeah, I grew up in a um, a place called Clarny. Um, I'm sure anyone from Ireland obviously will, will, will have been down there for a, a wedding or a, or a, or a stag or, or anything like that. Um, grew up kind of just outside Clarny, uh, surrounded by by farms and, and stuff like that. But my parents are originally from from London um, with Irish family, so wanted me and my little brother to to have a, a bit of a different life outside of a city and, and kind of grow up um, with places to explore and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I spent a lot of my childhood running around the fields and, and, and exploring things like that, which was, which was a lot of fun. And um, it was, a, it was, Clarny is a, a really nice, you know, small town. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, everyone knows everyone there. Um, and, you know, really great hospitality as well. Um, ended up most people and young people in Clarny and they're working in in hospitality when they they kind of grow up and and that was me as well um but yeah it was nice really really nice and do you remember when you were that age was there anything that you really wanted to be when you grew up 
Oh, I think, uh, like most young lads, probably a soccer player. I, t- I toyed with the idea for for a while. Um, you know, even when I was late teens, there was you know an opportunity to to go over to America um, to to play uh, soccer over in, in colleges over there. Never took it up. Um, uh, who knows what what could have came of it? But um, yeah, probably a, a soccer player. Um, which which is not which is not too original, right? <laughs> <laughs> we could have seen you in the MLS then, maybe in a different life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I don't know. Playing with uh, Zlatan and <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like you fit in well with Zlatan actually. Um, all right. So, what was what was school like then? What were you like in school? I mean, it's probably. Uh, in keeping with that um, messing around in, 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 in Clarny or running around fields I don't think I, I changed much going into into secondary school um, like I, I looking at looking back I probably wasn't the best student um, to be totally honest I spent I probably put more weight on, on making people laugh and, and trying to get people to you know be likable by um by messing around in, in class and stuff like that. So school was 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 an interesting one in the sense that I found um, yeah, just just generally generally loved the, the, the academic side of things. Um, but learned you know a, a lot uh, through you know I suppose communication in one way by actually <laughs> ending up having to get myself out of trouble uh, a few different times and that probably kept me going into into the, into my sales career today um so i inadvertently um probably had school as a as a way to get out of trouble and and, and maybe that's kind of taken me into to my sales career and to be honest like that sort of um just floating through school continued into into um, into my college years as as well um didn't necessarily know what i wanted to do or what i liked in school um you know most classes i would you know get get a bit distracted and end up um end up trying to you know have a, a bit of a laugh or a joke and and as i said that kind of continued into into secondary school so you know floating through um life can can sometimes be good um but it's it, i think it also can can have a you know a few different uh, drawbacks as well but it worked out for me i um yeah, and most people listening from Ireland will know when you, you do your leaving cert and after leaving cert, you either go into a level eight or a level seven um, uh, course. And I uh, did my leaving cert, uh, got a pretty average, I think even dare I say below average um, uh, uh, leaving cert uh, uh, score um, or points is what we call them in Ireland. And when you're when you're going into college, you're supposed to. You'll remember, Steve. You, you're supposed to put down what courses you want to do in level eight, which is a four year uh, degree, and then in your level three diploma, right? So, I uh, or, or level seven diploma, I should say, which is the three year. Um, so I actually uh, it, it filled it out, filled out level eight, filled out the the courses. I think you get five choices on each, right? If I remember correctly, five or six choices on each. Yeah. So if you don't get the points on one you, you naturally get the, the ne- that next choice so i actually didn't get enough points for any level eight would you believe which is um, you know not my, my proudest uh, moment but again didn't really do much uh, study in the leaving cert so anyway get my leaving cert results 
And I think I, I'm getting the going to CIT, which is what I thought I had as my first level seven um, college course. Um, but unfortunately, and so I w- went to, home to, to my parents, rang my mates who were going to uh, Cork CIT. It was business and CIT, rang my mates. Um, all looking forward to, to going to Cork and, and saying to my parents that I was going to do business and CIT. Um, and thought nothing more of it. The two weeks after you're leaving starts a lot of fun if you remember plenty of parking to do after getting out of school which is my main focus at that point and then two weeks later the po- a letter came in from waterford institute of technology which was a surprise to me offering me multimedia um so i would you believe i'd actually forgotten to change my first choice on on level seven so uh went in uh, to my parents to let them know that i I made that mistake and you know, needless to say, I got a clip around the year and they were probably wondering what to do with me, couldn't even get that decision right. So floated through 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 that and I said, look, I'll make it work, multimedia in Waterford. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. I met my fiance there um, in Waterford and a lot of friends and again, plenty of learnings from that. Didn't end up finishing that course, would you believe changed to business within the first month didn't really feel that business course either and kind of got through that first year would i didn't do any exams that that first year in waterford um and throughout that time i was actually working as in hospitality as i said clarney is a a hospitality rich town so i would go home the weekends and spend summers working in hospitality kind of liked it so thought i would would do that right um and and went back to for to do hospitality in waterford the next year um, again, no surprise, didn't really like that and, and, and kind of flunked out of that as well. Uh, halfway through, went back to hospitality in, in Killarney, not really knowing where to go, what to do either. Um, and went into to chefing, would you believe? Um, just from, so I was a waiter, uh, went into to chefing. The chef kind of asked me to jump into the kitchen. And, and that was good. I, I enjoyed it. I was terrible at it at the start. But, you know, anyone listening will know chefs and I've watched um, Chef's Table and, and all these shows on Netflix and have seen Gordon Ramsay. It's long hours and, and tough work and, and not a lot of thanks. And you kind of learn a bit of hard work through that. Right. But knew I didn't really like it. Um, and again, talking about things being, you know, happening for a reason. I, I kind of like looked at that chefing future really wasn't for me. I, I think I could have potentially done it, but. You know, when you're in, um, I was listening to this, Chris Williamson the other day, right? And he was talking about this thing, um, the region uh, beta paradox, which basically means the worst thing is sometimes better than the better thing. And if you kind of apply that to a job situation, um, a lot of people will be in work. They'll, you might have a, they might not really like their job, um, but they'll have a good salary. Uh, their boss is a bit of a dick, but not really a dick. So they'll kind of just stay in that situation. So if their wage wasn't great, their boss was a bit of a dick, then they probably have, you know, be galvanized to leave that job. So for for me with chefing, uh, not that my boss was a, a dick or anything, but it just didn't work for me. And I wanted to kind of jump out of it and get into something else. And that's when I started thinking about sales, right? Um, on, on the career that I'm in today. So, like, what was your first experience of, like, sales? You know, because so far you're working in purely on the hospitality side of things, right? So, like, how did you hear about sales or what was your first impression of working in sales? 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. Like, how did I kind of figure that out? Like, my dad would have owns his own business. He um, and it is very sales orientated, right? He's he's kind of working in that commercial lighting game. So I would see him, um, you know, in in that sales game, and and he said, I tried, I, I suppose, aspire to to do that, right? Um, or thought that I could do that if I I kind of did an inventory of of my skill sets, what I'm good at, and what I thought I could do. I mean. Generally, I was a pretty extroverted person, which, funny enough, isn't the best thing to be in sales, but um, we can touch on that a bit in a while. I was an extroverted person, outgoing, always, you know, jumped at at opportunities um, and, and just kind of threw myself at things. And I wasn't afraid of rejection either um, and, and generally thought that the kind of skills and, and what it, I thought you'd have to, or I thought was good in sales. I thought I could I could make a, a go with it. So started looking for sales jobs. Um, one of the, the the things that came up was um, was Vodafone door to door sales. So I said I better just give that a go. Um, and again, things just generally happen for a reason. I got that job. Um, to be honest, I think it, it wasn't the hardest one to, to get, but I was supposed to go for training, a week of training in that. And um, the trainer was sick. So funny enough, the the, the following day, um, I uh, a guy in, walked into the kitchen. I was working in the kitchen at the time. A guy in a suit uh, walked in. He was uh, selling uh, commercial catering equipment, designing catering kitchens as well. So a bit more high high ticket, a bit more kind of um, you know, a bit more of a, a, a better kind of sales role, right? So um, he was looking for someone. Um, to work in, in Kerry, a company called Stevens Catering Equipment. Went for an interview, got that job. Spent two years working, um, selling and designing kitchens for uh, Kerry and Cork and and then kind of got headhunted and, and moved to, to Dublin. And um, yeah, spent a bit of time working with a, with a fantastic company there, Martin Catering, Martin um, um, Foods Catering Equipment. And throughout that time just work with incredible salespeople and you know catering equipment doesn't sound like the the, um, the sexiest sales job in the world but you know it's 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 a fantastic um, starting point and and it's it, there's a lot of sophistication to to selling and designing uh, catering equipment a lot of energy efficiency and stuff like that so that was my entrance into it but I think for me having um, my father is probably someone who was working in sales and and I was kind of connected through through that. That was probably how I how I got into it and doing that inventory and what I thought was was good. It's what what you'd need to be in sales. Yeah, and so when you take this, you know, first job in sales, or when you move to Dublin, like, did you know this is a job? This is a career that I like and I'm good at. Was that obvious to you? Not at the yeah. I suppose yes. It was because I, I did actually hit the ground running um, because I kind of just went. So, so any uh, sales job, the more activity you do and, and kind of how much you throw um, at the wall, you know, more is going to stick. Right. So I was in every kitchen um, talking to chefs, didn't really know how, what I was doing or how to sell. But I just go in the back door and, and kind of just have a chat with, with the with the chefs and um and and restaurant managers whoever it was that i had to do and just get out there and and you know invariably got you know a few deals pretty quickly and just kind of went from there now when i got into it i suppose a few months into it um 
getting from where that base level of oh well done you've got a couple of deals to constantly hitting targets there was a few more challenges in, in scaling that but I, I knew it was for for me um because it was, it was very much people orientated when you're selling a good product and you're helping someone i loved that side of things i really like being able to understand someone's problem um and solve it with a product or service and you both feel enriched by the experience you're both making you know there's a monetary value as well you know and, and everyone's kind of winning so i talked to a couple of salespeople and they say they say the same thing right that they like that idea of like solving a problem from somebody from the outside in who's a bit skeptical they might listen to that and go bullshit you want your commission and you're going to give them whatever the hell is going to make the deal and and get your commission do you do you actually feel that like that you're actually solving problems with these people and like working together with them or is it you know is it is it a bit that but also a bit do you know what i love the high of just making the deal and getting the commission i think it's a bit of both right i mean if you kind of said to me um what do you like about about hitting sales or about what do you like about sales right um i'd kind of say it's it's in in personally um there's two different factors there's the kind of external factors where um you are solving problems for people um, you know, so you're selling a product, you're helping that person. And if you kind of want to extrapolate that, hopefully you're helping them, you're helping, you know, where I, what I'm doing now is, is selling, um, uh, I'm providing funding solutions to e-commerce businesses. And a lot of the businesses that I'm working with are, you know, mom and dad e-commerce stores and, you know, we're funding inventory, banks can't give them funding. And, you know, so we are really solving a problem for them. We're kind of enabling them to grow their business and, um, you know, also helping their family grow as well, right, and, and and improve their life. So that side of it, yes, absolutely, we are helping there. They're, they're, I am solving a problem or, a, you know, a good product or good service will solve a problem for someone. So there is that side of it as, w- as well, for sure. And then, of course, internally, you are obviously going to have internal drivers. You know, when you look at um, sales, you either have monthly goals or, or quarterly goals and you know, you hit your target as a monetary value, absolutely. But there's also, an, you know, another side of sales as well, where if, you know, if you if you listen to a lot of self-help gurus now, they're constantly saying that you set yourself a goal, um, write it down, aim for that goal, and you'll build self-trust, self-worth, and that will snowball. Well, if you look at sales, it's, you know, you're already doing that. You're inadvertently setting yourself a goal every month, hitting that goal, building self-trust, building self-confidence. Um, and aiming for something and getting, you know, internal and external recognition. But, you know, yes, you are correct. There is, uh, you know, monetary um, value as well. Um, it's just about how in sales you kind of, you know, you, you kind of position that there is such thing as, as, as commission breadth, um, which, which, yeah, which, which people, you know, buyers can, can sense. But if you come at it from that holistic approach where, yes, I am, you know, I do have a, a benefit to this, but you have a benefit as well with a great product or service. Yeah, nice. Okay, so I want to, I mean, you've worked in sales for quite a while um, and you're also very good at it. So I do want to go into like all those different corners and avenues of what it's actually like to work in sales. But first, I want to bring people up to where you are today. So where we left off is like you're working in Dublin. At some point, you move out to Australia, right? And then you start the job in your current role at Wayflower. So What's that kind of brief story of how that happened? 
Yeah, just I'll quickly go over it. So I was working in Dublin. Um, my my girlfriend at, at the time, and as I said, now fiance. Um, always wanted to move to Australia. She's a, a hairdresser, and you know, said I'm going to Australia with or without you. So I was pretty. Um, that was the decision made for me. So we decided to move about four years ago to to Sydney. I later found out it was because she watched a lot of Home and Away, but that's a that's a story for another day. Um, <laughs> But yes, yeah, so, so moved to Australia, done a few different jobs out here, kind of sales jobs that I didn't really like. I didn't feel the product or service was for me. And again, that's very important. And we can talk about that a bit in a while. But you know, it's very important when you are selling to, to really understand the product or service when you are going for, for an interview, you know, because if you're passionate about it, it, it does change the dynamic massively. So I worked in a few jobs where didn't really love it. Um, and yeah, ended up not liking it again, that region, uh, beta paradox thing where I just really didn't like it. So I was galvanized to leave and work, ended up working in construction for uh, a, a few weeks, just um, to kind of in between jobs, which was which was interesting. Again, didn't really like that either. But my mate, um, one of my best mates started working as head of risk for Wayflower, which at the time, Wayflower would have been a kind of, I'd say about 20 um, person globally startup. And they wanted to, uh, you know, help uh, or um, set up a, a sales team out in Australia, and yeah, went for a few interviews there. I, I thought, have, being friends with with uh, with Brendan, I I'd get a, a few passes, but no, I still had to uh, <laughs> do four or five interviews to to get the job, and and yeah, started out here, and over the last three years, we've been we've been very successful in, in growing the sales team, and we've got about. And, you know, nearly 20 here uh, from a team of two, um, which was which was me and you at, at the time, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so the backstory here is that, um, so for people who don't know, so Wayflower is a fintech um, company that provides financing solutions primarily to e-commerce brands. And so that's what I did for the last three years. It's how I know Jack. And one of my first jobs was to set up the business in australia and so we needed to build out the sales team and so jack obviously knew somebody so he was introduced and he came in for an interview he had uh frosted tips in his hair at the time i sat down with him and he was i can't remember what you were spoofing on to me about at the time i was like i was like geez this guy like really this is the guy we're gonna bring on and uh i wasn't I, i've told him this before but like i wasn't sure i was like oh no i don't know i don't know about this guy and he left the interview anyway went home and then like any good salesperson he was on to me straight away messaging me sending me links to youtube of something based on the conversation that we'd had following up with me the day after giving me a call sending me an email sending me a text and i was like Right. Okay. Fine. Just give this guy a job. <laughs> like, get him off my back, if nothing else. Um, I won you over in the end. You did. You did. One hundred percent. And it was. Uh, yeah. I mean, Jack's gone on to be an absolute killer. Um, in terms of, I, I don't know what you're standing at now in terms of the number of kind of companies that you've brought on, the revenue that you've generated, but it's like one of the top salespeople in all of Wayflower globally over the last few years, which is an absolute massive achievement. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's, I guess, where you, you know, where you started out your career or your, 
your um your story at Wayflyer, right? It was kind of that those three years ago. Um and at that time you're kind of doing everything, right? So you were like one salesperson in a region. So you're kind of doing the whole sales process, everything from the prospecting and the cold calling through to kind of closing the deals and managing them. Um so I want so actually can you tell people a bit about like what your job is now? Like what's kind of your title? What's your main responsibilities? Um and also what does the day to day look like? So we can maybe take yesterday as an example, you know, maybe bring us through that day. Yeah, absolutely love to. So like, you know, um it, it's been a great story over the last three years. The the Wayflower story as a whole as well has been um has been fantastic. Um, and I, three years ago, I, I started out as that kind of business development role, really getting into the, the trenches of, of, of just making, uh, you know, generating business, prospecting, calling, um, and, and all of the kind of trials and tribulations of, 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 of starting out in sales. Um, now I, I work my way up to senior account executive, uh, which basically means I just work on some of the, the larger um, you know, deals within the, the company, kind of enterprise down to, to higher, um, higher tier SMBs. Um, the day-to-day stuff is, is you tr- I try and keep as structured as I can um, within sales. Like, you know, things do pop up, but it is very important to have a, a, as much of a structured day as you possibly can. So we are based in Australia, but we have been given, we do work with some of the West Coast of the US, the time zones make sense. So in the morning, uh, from 8 to, to kind of 11 o'clock, we focus on emailing, calling um, the US um, uh, the companies that we're, that we're trying to get in touch with. And how we generally do that is, is like sequenced emails, um, LinkedIn outreach and, and cold calling. Um, which works very, very well. It's the most direct way to, to, to get in front of people. And, um, you know, it's definitely a numbers game, a bit of re- rejection involved in, in cold calling. But um, when you kind of do it right, it, it's a fantastic way to get in front of people. Um, the, the After that, so from about kind of 8 to 11 after that, try and break up my day into into kind of deep work hours so after that i'd probably focus on maybe a, a bit of a linkedin post as well you know one of the things that was true in during covid was that you could just send emails call people particularly in the space e-commerce was booming right you could just send people emails call people um, and you'd get a response uh, people would be looking for cash changing it up a bit post-COVID and, and changing it up in, in the, that kind of next phase of sales. Also, we're into a bit of a down market, right? So you kind of have to diversify the way you're getting customers and and, and something like a LinkedIn post is good. Um, and again, then in the afternoon, like take a try and uh, go to, 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 to the gym at lunch. It's fantastic to break it up, um, break up the day um, and do more focused work then in the afternoon, whether that's emailing, calling, um, whatever, whatever it is, like with the Australian hours. So you're on calls a lot, right? You'd be talking to customers a lot during the day. Yes, yes, very much. I mean, generally we'll have throughout that day, throughout the day we will have um, quite a few meetings as well. But um, yeah, and no, externally, I mean, we do, I'd say about um, two meetings a week uh, internally with the sales team, sales catch-ups, a bit of training um but 
yesterday was was kind of predominantly outreach. Today we've got a few internal meetings, but yesterday afternoon was uh, yesterday was was predominantly outreach. Um, and then you know depending depending on how busy it is, you'd have um, you'd have a couple of meetings with um, with, with customers as well. Okay. Okay. So you're looking at start at eight, you kind of do this big block of kind of cold calling, emailing, outreach in the morning, lunchtime, maybe you get out, get to the gym. And then the afternoon, you kind of got another big block, maybe doing calls um, whatever else. What time do you finish up and how does that vary across the month? Like if somebody's trying to think about this job and try to understand the lifestyle, like types of hours that are involved with, with it, what does that look like? So, I think at, like with sales, like it's as much input as you put in, you're going to, you know, you're going to get the, um, the, the results, right? So if you work, the more work you, you do, the better results you get. Um, so I think with the other thing with sales and anyone looking to start out in sales, it kind of tr- teaches you some entrepreneurial uh, traits. So if you own your own business, one of the great things about, um, you know, owning your own business or the, the, the positives about owning your own business. Our assumptions is, you know, you can earn a lot of money um, and, you know, you don't have to pay as much tax, right? So there are the positives of, of kind of owning your own business to an extent. But the, the drawbacks to owning your own business, like if you don't get out of bed in the morning um, and don't uh, do what you're supposed to do, you're not getting paid and, and, and your business isn't growing. I would say that sales very much has those characteristics in a lot of ways. Um, if you're not working hard, you're like you're not hitting your target. So for any kind of good salesperson, I would say minimum eight hours a day, um, like anywhere from kind of eight to, to 12. Uh, I would say if you wanted to break it up into two, three days of, of kind of 12 hours, every uh, two, uh, two to three 12 hour days, and then, you know, Fridays, knock off a bit earlier or, or maybe Monday start a bit later but that sort of um, mix the, the way you want to break up your week is very much down to you but I would say it be under no illusions getting into sales it's not a, a nine to five job the best salespeople are generally on call and uh, are available during the working week till very late I mean, end of month in particular, you're you're kind of sitting there at, at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night um, by the laptop sending out contracts. I've been, um, you know, I've been uh, uh, sitting at home half 11 at night and uh, chatting about, with someone about getting a contract done before before 12 o'clock. And that, that's actually common enough, you know, because people, you know, when we're working towards a, a goal at the end of the month, and you'll be working towards a goal with the customer as well, right? So there is incentives uh, to, for someone getting a deal done by the end of the month, whether it's a, you know, a, a price reduction or um, they've got something that they need the funding for within the next week or two. It makes sense for them as well. So I, I would say it, it's definitely not a nine to five. Um, and the more work you, you do, the, the better results you get. How does commission work then? Because a lot of people will be thinking about sales and thinking about, you know, having targets and having to hit them in order to get paid. So how does, how do you get paid basically? How, what determines how much is in your um, monthly pay packet every month? 
Yeah, I mean, most tech, like most, um, it's a good question. Like most good uh, fintech tech sales will have a, a base um, with a 60 40 or 70 30 split to OTE. So, it um, on target earnings. Um, so, most people starting out in sales, and again, uh, we also um, be good to touch on, on anyone that wants to get into sales, where do they kind of start off, right? Um, the kind of base salary for sales in, in Sydney, anyway, I don't know what it is in Ireland, is anywhere from kind of 60 to 80, 80 base. And they can earn, you know, with on target earnings anywhere from, you know, 100 to 120, 130. So as this kind of entry level job, the salary is pretty good, right? Um, there's not many uh, jobs where you can kind of earn 120 grand um, with not a whole pile of experience. A lot of sales companies will like that have their own training playbook um they'll, a lot of sales companies will like salespeople to come in with no preconceived notions or not a whole pile of, of skills because they want to train them they want to nurture them and, and and fit them make them fit their company so you, what you'll find is for example like if if someone was to start with wayflower we're funding e-commerce um we've does a finance element to it there's an e-commerce element to it so if you had a brief, uh, you know, an understanding of finance or if you had an understanding of e-commerce but didn't have any, um, I suppose, tangible sales experience, you could start with Wayflower and, and all of a sudden you're, work, you're earning, you know, 120 grand as a, in, in base salary or in um, on-target earnings with, with no sales experience. And, you know, you kind of asked me, um, or we, 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 we touched on how someone would get into sales. I would say, uh, I know I'm segueing after a question a small bit, but if you're in a, if you're in a job where, you know, you've got industry specific knowledge and want to move into something else, but don't necessarily know what that is. So if you're, for example, a cloud software engineer, um, you like cloud software, but don't like the kind of, um, introverted style where you have to kind of lock yourself in a room for 12 hours and solve a problem with no interaction with people, but you do like tech, then, and, and you're an extrovert and uh, are a little bit more of a people person than than um than that job entails. Segwaying into sales is a fantastic way to, to to develop your career in tech as well. Um, back to the commission side of things. Uh, I know I, I segue there a bit, but it, it's basically like you you get your base salary, so you don't hit your target. You're getting your base. There's probably only a certain period of time you can you can do that right. Um, just hit not hitting target, only getting base, but generally businesses have like a minimum 25% um, of target. Um, like you have to hit 25% to get any um, commission. Um, and in this market, most businesses will have um, their commission based on incremental, um, new, um, like per incremental percentage gains. So for example, if you hit 100% of your target, you're getting 100% of your, your commission. If you hit 100%, 120% of your tag, you're getting 120%. Um, some companies will have um, accelerators, what's called accelerators. So let's say, for example, you hit your 120% of your target, but you might get bumped to 100, 150 um, just because that's the next um, target earning. But generally, it'll be more of a, a numerical or a, one, a percentage um, increase. So 120, you get 120%, you get it, yeah. 
Okay. okay. I think that's a great explanation. So just to recap that, you know, most sales jobs are going to come with a base commission or a base salary and then commission on top. And what you'll hear people say is 60, 40 or 70, 30. And what that means is how much of the total compensation, assuming that you hit all your targets, comes from your base versus comes from your commission. So if somebody says, you know, you've got 100K OTE, 100K on target earnings, and that's 60, 40, that means you're getting 60 from your base salary. And if you hit all your targets, you're going to get an additional 40 from your commission. But what you're saying as well is if you exceed your targets, you can actually earn even more. So you can earn 120%, 100 or 130. Yeah, 100%. Like more, like 99% of businesses will have one cap commission. So as a, as a job, like sales is a fantastic way to earn, you know, great money. Like, as I said, if you work hard, you get results. It, it, there is incredible monetary value. And, you know, all of a sudden you're working in a job where you could be making, and, and particularly in like enterprise tech sales, it wouldn't be peculiar for someone to be making five, 600 grand a year in, in enterprise tech sales. Like that's, you know, with 10, 15 years ex- experience um, selling SaaS products, that wouldn't be um, that strange. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And and with the with the uncapped commission, because you've had months right where you've you've smashed your target, like you know, really gone far above. So on those months, you must be getting a nice windfall off that, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice. It, it, it certainly is nice. I mean, the money can sometimes be like like, like you know, it, it generally is life changing. If you are sitting like, and I want to just go back to you know, a lot of people listening might be in a job where they don't necessarily want to be in that job or don't know what the next step is but have a skill have a fantastic skill like they've they've got knowledge of an industry and if you think of nearly every industry there has to be there is a product or some related service in that industry that's you can sell Um, and whether it's selling it yourself as your as your own business which is a different story or getting into sales it's an incredible way to make nice money for you and your family right um, and again, I'll just take it back to that sort of, you know, cloud engineer or so- cloud, um, cloud software engineer who's got knowledge of that space, how it works, the architecture of SaaS business or, um, uh, um, yeah, like a, a, um, an organization, a tech company, they can transfer those skills and go into sales. And, you know, as you might start off with, you might have to take a pay cut initially. Um, as I said, BDR salary, you might go from, you know, cloud software engineer might be on 150, 200, whatever it may be. It might have to take a bit of a pay cut. But if you look at the lifespan of a sales career, you can make incredible money. Um, if you're on target earnings is anywhere from 100 to, you know, 300K, which would be kind of that, that mid-market um, space and, and you're exceeding your target. There's no reason why you you, know, you couldn't be making months where you're making anywhere from, you know, ten to twenty to thirty k months if you, if you really do apply yourself. So it, it is very nice cash, like very nice cash. I think what's great about sales as a career is, as you said, that link to how hard you work is usually going to show up in your results, right? So if you are that cloud software engineer, if you absolutely break your back for a quarter. And you do unbelievable work and you absolutely smash it at the end of it you probably get a pat on the back and that's it and you still get your your normal salary you know 
if even if that company if even man you know if that company is good with with recognition and and that's not always the case you know um so it is a great way to to change up those things so the good side of commission and targets is that you can earn a lot of money if you hit them right but at the same time every month you get landed with a new target and surely that comes with a bit of pressure i know i'd feel that right if every because every job has some sort of targets or objectives that you have to achieve but with sales like it's so transparent and so on you you've got one number that's on your head and everybody knows where you're at with this and where you're going to be with it at the end of the month or at the end of the quarter like does that for me that sounds like a lot of pressure like i don't i don't know if i'd like that but does it feel like pressure to you there is, there is an element of pressure, right? You know, like any anything, as I said, we spoke um, about the positives, the, the good salary and, and when you hit it. But, you know, there is that sort of highs and lows element, like sales has some pretty bad lows. And um, it's just about how do you kind of deal with those lows um, in, in life. And again, bringing it back to that entrepreneurial side of th- things, it gets you in that entrepreneurial mindset. You're going to have good times, bad times, and it's how you kind of deal with the good times. They're the easier one. Absolutely. You know, you're, you're, you're hitting targets, you're getting results and that snowballs, but you are going to have months where, you know, the, the, the pressure gets you maybe, and, you know, might not have a, a fantastic month. And, um, but it's how you deal with that. But what I would say with sales is like, trust the process. If you can control the controllables and you know, you've given everything you possibly could have to that month or to that quarter and you still don't hit your target, then, you know, you can walk out of there with your head held tight. And I can guarantee you, if you work hard, if you hone your craft, if you go back and look, right, I haven't had a good month. I, I, um, what did we do wrong there? Did I, could I have got, you know, more stakeholders in within that company agreeing to the deal? You know, did I miss something, um, throughout that sales process? And you go back and look at that and make improvements throughout that each month and improve, improve, improve. Then the pressure, it starts to deflate a bit. It's, you know, because you know, you've done the work, right? You know, it's, it's end of month. And I can tell you, man, it invariably every single sales cycle, the buyer and the seller is just there at the end of the month. And there, it, 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 the incentive is there. I don't know what it is. People are just, and you try as hard as you can to get deals done at the start of the month. And they will, of course, they'll be um, leak over from the previous month. But the majority of your target is done in the end of quarter, end of month. And I don't know what it is. You could say it's whether the salesperson leaving it to that point. But I can tell you the buyers just seem to be a bit more active at that point as well. But once you know you've done everything you possibly could, you control the controllables, which is said a lot in sales, then that pressure, you can manage it a bit more. Now, if you haven't done the work, if you kind of um, messed around the first week, chilled out after a good month, the previous month, and you're kind of chasing your tail for the rest of the month, then that pressure starts to compound and you're probably a bit irritable in the office. You're probably a bit irritable at home. Um, but dealing with the pressure, and again, like everyone needs to work on on different ways of, of dealing with pressure because life is a is a myriad of uh of moments where you're under pressure and you know it, it, you can apply that to sales or you can apply that to life right 
Um, so how do you deal with those pressures? And I think sales actually makes you, the good thing about sales is it makes you think a bit more introspectively as well. It's like, well, if I can be calm under pressure in this situation, I can be calm at, at any time. And I suppose the other thing I would I would say is like there's ways to, to deal with that pressure, healthy diet, healthy exercise, or good exercise daily, weekly, um, three, four times a week working out, whatever, whatever it is, decompressing as well, you know, you might, even if it is end of month, if you like tennis, go play tennis for an hour um, from six to seven. There's no problem with that. Meditation is fantastic. All of that stuff. And that just kind of helps you decompress and, and I suppose decreases um, the, uh, the amount of pressure that you feel towards the end of the month. But yeah, there is a bit more maybe than, than you would see in other jobs. Well, for sure. But I'm hearing a few things there. I think the first one is the importance of resilience so it it seems like on you really do need to be resilient to be able to work in sales because you have there's going to be highs and lows no matter how good you are and you have to be able to take the lows and suck them up and move on and get on with it the next day or the next month the second part is about being introspective so i really like that idea of if you have a bad month if you have a bad week a bad day well what did you do did you you know what can you control and how do you make that better because there's not really much room for excuses in sales saying, oh, such and such didn't come through or whatever else. And they'll be real, right? There'll always be stuff that's out of your control that didn't go your way. But at the end of the day, the excuses don't really matter when, you know, your manager or your boss's boss is looking at your target. Like they don't really care about those. And I so, I, so I think that's a really good trait to be able to look back and say, well, what did I do wrong or what could I have done better? And if you do that every month, Jesus, after 12 months, after 24 months, you're going to be such a good salesperson. Um, what, what other traits, if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, oh, maybe this sounds attractive, right? I'd like to get into sales. I've got a bit of resilience. You know, I think I can be introspective. What other traits does somebody need to be good at sales? I think I probably had them at the, the 500 grand, 600 grand salary. That's probably when their, their ears probably perked up. No, I think the traits are the thing. So it's interesting, right? You've got, I think sales can really go be for anyone. And and I, I genuinely do believe that. Like the if the two different psyches, left brain, right brain, the creative thinker, the analytical thinker, both personalities, both characteristics, traits would apply very well to sales. Like, you know, you're solving problems, you're thinking creative. So the right brain is that creative, probably more outgoing person. That, you know, person will, will do well in sales, and the analytical introverted person can also do well in sales. So there's a, a misconception in sales where um, but one of the main misconceptions is that you have to be extroverted to be in sales. You have to be this gregarious, outgoing, you know, person who probably talks a lot. It's actually you know, quite the opposite. So if you think about like the extroverted person, as I said, gregarious, outgoing, talkative, and the introverted probably likes to listen a bit more, probably likes to think about things analytically. Um, both, you kind of need to be in the middle as a salesperson. You need to be able to build rapport, you know, get on someone's level, get them to, to like you and be likable. But then you need to very much listen. So that kind of being able to talk and kind of build rapport, as I said at the start, that, def that needs to be counteracted with an ability to think critically um, and ask really good questions. Like, very, like listen to someone and active listening is, is, a, is, is something that you need to do. But 
in in sales and and that's you know well known of course but the extroverted person probably needs to come more towards being introverted and the introverted person probably needs to come more to, to be extroverted and, and so meeting somewhere in the middle so being outgoing very much so um but when you're in that sales cycle when you're in that discovery call which is what you're going to do you're going to ring someone up have a quick chat book in a a call for the, with a, a bit more of an in-depth chat which is generally what we call a discovery call with an account executive or or whoever um, you know your director um, and on that call listening is, is is paramount and understanding someone's problem and and then positioning and then being able to articulate your offer uh, succinctly um, based on that person's problems so from a trade perspective i would say a bit of the characteristics and traits of an extroverted person and a, a few of the kind of traits and characteristics of an introverted person uh, and kind of mix them together yeah it's a really good point especially around the listening right because like we've probably all been in situations where we've had a salesperson trying to sell to us and all they do is talking at us and most people will shut down once once they have that right or they'll they'll switch off or this person doesn't understand me they're not pitching me the actual solution that i want so like i'm not going to listen to them um so i think that's a really good point around that trait so um i want to go back to like a little bit around the the career path in sales right so it's like you can start off entry-level job is usually what we call like a bdr or business development representative right so you can get into that it's a good job you can get into it no experience you're going to be probably smashing the cold calls smashing the emails your job as a bdr is to basically get cold leads and turn them opportunities into opportunities for your account executives which are you know the guys like jack that's that's the role of the bdr right yeah very much so Right. And then, so you did, how long would somebody typically spend as a BDR before they would take the next step? So it depends on the company and, and I suppose the, 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 how successful that BDR is, right? There's a couple of different factors, but generally around a year, um, anywhere from six months to a year, to be honest. Um, because, yeah, because yeah, they're, they're like understanding it dep- and also depends on the complexity of the product and, and company, right? Um, what sort of what sort of level do you have to be at to kind of sell the size of deals that you might have to sell as an AE? Um, but generally, six months to a year, honing your craft, eating um, uh, <laughs> a lot of rejection as well, uh, um, which is you're like cursing this podcast, Jack. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna eating shit for a while, um, so. And, and and then building building up those things and when you can kind of and, and there'll be anyone that hears six months to a year um, that might be disheartened trust me it goes quick it goes very quick when you're kind of and it's going to be a very new experience and uh, um and an exploratory experience generally when people are starting out the sales career they'll have if they're lucky, they'll have a few good wins at the start, and most people generally do. Um, it's just the nature of the beast, beginner's luck, I suppose, if you want to call it, followed by a few tough months. Um, and there's some people either like it or, or drop out. I would say stick at it if, if, if you kind of have any inkling that you'd like it. Give it at least six months. 
Um, and then from there, then did that six months to a year, just continue to hone your craft and, and get a lot better. But what I was going to say was the six months to a year, it sounds a lot, but typically before you go to an AE, you'll get a responsibilities, you'll get account executive responsibilities. So you might be doing working on smaller deals um, and sort of immersed in that kind of AE um, lifestyle or AE workday before you, you kind of make that step up. I kind of see, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of see there's two paths from the AE onwards, right? So one is the managerial path. So you're an account executive, you're running your own deals, you're closing your own deals. As you progress and you get promoted to senior account executive, you're going to get bigger deals, right? Bigger responsibility, tougher sales to close. But then there's a managerial path where you can actually go and start managing other people. And so that can be for a region or it can be for an industry. And sure, you're still doing a little bit of the sales, but actually it's really about managing a team and helping them all to hit their targets. Or there's the individual contributor track, which is where actually you just stay as a gun sales rep and you're just still smashing out deals and you're getting bigger and bigger deals, more complicated deals. Is that right? Is that how you see the kind of two different paths in sales? Yeah, for for sure. For sure. I mean, you probably do reach a, a kind of a point where you know, you probably want to make that decision. Um, the crescendo, you're probably hitting target every month. Um, very successful, making a nice bit of cash. But it, it can be a repetitive job to an extent like you are sometimes like you are you're aiming towards that end of month target you're selling the same product of course businesses will incorporate new products you can start to cross sell and you, can, you know it, it freshens it a bit but generally most SaaS businesses will have and, and fintech businesses um, and that general tech sales probably be selling one or maybe two three products right so it's repetitive and on the path to, I suppose, being successful, that's a lot of fun or heaps of fun. You're, it's fresh, you know, you're making a nice bit of money, you're learning a lot as well. And then you get to that point where I'm really good at what I do. Um, where do I go? Um, some people will kind of want to stay on that, that same path or maybe even pivot to another um, industry or, you know, go from, I don't know, FinTech to SaaS or something like that, because SaaS is a bit more complex. Um, in of a sales cycle, right? Longer um, can be it's just for uh, some context. Like SaaS is typically a six-month cycle, whereas our cycles are, uh, you know, monthly or, or quarterly. So that might be something that people do. Um, or you go into management, then it's just going to ask yourself that question: like, what do, what do I want to do? Do I want to learn management skills? Do I want to start my own company? Would having management skills be of of, of of use absolutely what you know will management am i taking um my skills and can i can i teach others that because a lot of good salespeople will be gun salespeople and find it hard to to teach what they do and articulate what they do and you know sometimes you know i could potentially fall into that sometimes where you know someone asked me oh how did you do that and it's kind of hard to regurgitate in a way that someone can apply themselves so there is a a lot of skill to, to managing people and teaching people how to, to get into sales. But that would probably be correct. You know, the, they keep going 
um, as a as a sole um, uh, gun or, or or get into management. So, we've got one more question on kind of what it's actually like to work in sales. When you were talking about dealing with pressure, you were talking about going to the gym and eating healthy and meditation. And I think when a lot of people think about sales, that's not what they think about. They think about whining and dining and a bit of a party lifestyle, work hard, play hard, maybe a bit of a madman thing going on. Um, is that the case? Or like, are you are you kind of different? Is this what you've built because this was what works for you? But most sales is actually more that other kind of lifestyle or what is it what is the actual lifestyle like outside of just you know the work hours yeah no like it, there is a i think those things like are just generally important for general health right just eating well going gym and 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 those sort of introspective things that you do meditation journaling that's just going to help you as a person anyway and the better you understand yourself the better you're going to be able to be in sales and, 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 and that's just a, I think it's conducive to actually being successful in sales, to be honest. Um, for me anyway. The other side of, of sales is death. There's 100% a whining and dining side. There is, particularly within sales teams, there's a, a one way to decompress and, and kind of get over the, the, the mad month that you've had is absolutely get on the tear. Go for a few beers and it never is a few beers. It's generally a, a big mo- night at the end of the month. Then, like, you've got so much energy. Like, you generally you'll have a, a team of, of young people, particularly in that startup environment. You'll have a team of young people in the office till late on the last day of the month. Everyone is scrambling around, making calls, working with um, underwriting to to get these deals over the line contracts out it's it's crazy like you know you're and it's it's so much fun um and it's that sort of crescendo um moment where you you've hit your target and and you're just full of energy and you do invariably go out and and have a big night um to to kind of de-stress and all that stuff and then there's the other side of it as well where particularly in 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 enterprise and, and kind of higher ticket sales or you, you do have to go out and meet these people and form a relationship, cultivate a relationship outside of the sort of Google Meets um, virtual thing that we're doing now um, or the way the world has gone. Because you, you, it's a longer form um, way of, of getting to know someone. Like the short, the, the kind of half an hour, hour, you'd be doing well to get to know someone um, in, in that time frame. So when you, when you kind of go out and, and meet someone for dinner, have, you know, whatever, um, you get to know them on a deeper level and people buy from people and I can tell you if there's an apples for apples competitor uh, if you're up against a competitor and it's apples for apples and, and you've been out for dinner with that person chatting about whatever it is that, that interests you both, their family and you get to and know them on a deeper level I, I can I can assure you they're going to go with you but do you have to to do that whining and dining side of things? Do you have to be a big drinker, a big party animal to be in sales? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that you could do absolutely fine not drinking. Um, I think you could do absolutely fine not whining and dining. Um, and the whining and dining thing is, well, you don't have to drink loads at those events. You know, I'm, I mean, me personally, I'm trying to cut down a lot on, on my um, on my alcohol consumption, which. Uh, you raise a few eyebrows for sure when when you're at these kind of events and you get a few questions about it. But 
the winding dining helps massively um and sales it does there is a culture a drinking culture but what i would say for anyone who doesn't like that you don't have to do it it's you can be madly successful and dare i say even more successful in sales without those things but it's fun as well right you know, when 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 you are doing i mean i can definitely see 100% i mean on the last day of the month um you've got all that energy you're saying they closing deals it's going to be hard to go home and you know light a few santa candles and throw on netflix for the evening so <laughs> but also i think you're right right like you're and as well like you're talking though about you know the fact that if you want to put in the work and you want to be a high performer there's these big rewards there for you it's like anything it's like it's going to be really hard for you to do that. And some people can do that because they're freaks and I don't know how, but some it's going to be hard if you're going out on a Wednesday and a Thursday and trying to show up the next morning and put in the long hours and actually do a good job. Like it's going to be hard. You're not going to be, again, maybe some people can do it, but it's going to be a lot harder for you to be a really high performer. If you're coming into work and you're a bit fucked, you're a bit hungover, you're a bit tired. Like you're, you're not going to smash that day. Like you would another day realistically. But um, I've got probably, Two, two more questions two more questions to finish up so first is if somebody's listening to this and they're convinced like this is it i want to get into sales i want to start off my career in sales what's the first step that they should take um if they're convinced and, and they, they want to go into sales i would just say look at the the kind of space that they want to be in you know sales is great but it sales is is is, is not a great it's, it can be a, a a terrible job because you all of the pressure and the things that we spoke about with monthly targets like that's just not fun if you don't like what you're doing you know that's just really exacerbated can really lead down to a path where you're probably turned off sales as well so that first kind of job is probably is vital to anyone's sales career now uh, so what I mean by that, and, and most salespeople will have cut their, their teeth selling a bad product. I don't know any salesperson or good salesperson who hasn't worked for a bad company. I think it's part of, part of the course. I think you have to do it. But if someone's starting out, I would look at the, the, just the way the industry um, and, and what they're going to sell. And I would, in the interview, I would even interview the company as much as they're interviewing you. Ask about the product. There's a funny one. I seen a meme the other day. Um, it was a Homer Simpson one uh, standing at the edge of the bed, but he had clothes pegs behind his back, sucking in all the fat. And it was, uh, it was the meme was basically like every say every company when they're interviewing someone uh, for a for a job, which was which I thought was hilarious. And it's very true. You'll go for these interviews. You swear the product was was. Um, was the best thing since sliced bread and you know it's it's there's no this be easy to sell so be a bit more inquisitive make sure you understand the product make sure you like the product and you think you can sell it once you've done that you've got the job i would say be insatiably curious about everything to do with sales like get on podcasts like listen to like we've never lived in such a a world where there's an abundance of of information like think about like sales listen to sales podcasts right um there's uh, 101 amazing ones one i listen to because it's nice and sharp and to the point is 30 minutes to president's club it's fantastic they'll have different aes and, and sales managers and whoever else on just to speak about different parts of the job and skill sets you need to, to hone in on 
um, and it's really 30 minutes is great and there's four actionables. So that's a fantastic one. But listen to podcasts about behavioral psychology. You are, in essence, trying to get someone to... to, to uh, you're not manipulating anyone, but you're trying to, to get someone on your side and, and buy the product. And um, behavioral psychology is, is a massive part of that. So listen to podcasts like that. Um, and just, you know, be open, be... Uh, be open to failing as well. Be okay with failure. Get comfortable with failure. Get comfortable with rejection, um, and and just you know enjoy the process as well. Um, but I hope I've answered your question there in, in in the best possible way. There's probably a bit more to it picking a sales job, but I mean the one. So I love the idea of like actually thinking about what industry it is that you want to work in because that's going to determine the product you're selling, which is going to determine how much you actually like the job or not. Um, and then you've got some great advice about what to do in the interview and once you have the job. Um, but what about that little bit between, okay, I've figured out what industry it is that I want to work in, but I don't have an interview yet. Like, can you just apply to jobs online on people's sites or would you recommend going through your network or like, how do you get to the, the interview point? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say that it depends on the person, right? You know, so if you're coming from, as we spoke about that, I've used that, that, that cloud software engineer a few times, if you're in that space, you probably should be able to get interviews in, in jobs or in companies um, pretty easy because you can just leverage your network. You're in that space. You'll know heaps of people, sales directors who can introduce you to another sales director. So I would say leverage your network if you have a network. If you don't have a network, just like get on LinkedIn, um, write to recruiters, you know, package your CV in a way that, that makes you an attractive um, applicant. Um, a lot of, you know, like the, the, the traditional ways, like go on and job search, um, seek and, and all of those ones. Um, but just get out there. Uh, just write to people on LinkedIn and, and try and build a network. But recruiters are good as well because recruiters generally, you know, don't all, don't fully trust recruiters they're fantastic at what they do but they you know are, are just be a small bit um, careful do your research in what jobs they're sending you to for example um, but it, one actually great way if you don't have a network and you found an industry find a recruiter in that industry that's probably the best way and find three or four recruiters in that industry that are looking they'll all have open roles for BDRs because believe it or not entry-level sales jobs at most they'll generally most companies will be looking for entry level sales uh, people. It's it's number. It's one of the main things the sales organization needs to grow, um, and any company needs to grow is is people who get on the phones and 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 um, and get business uh, that top of funnel top of funnel sales. You know, it is a great point. Like because I have a couple of friends who are in different industries, um, and there aren't as many junior opportunities and there's definitely no recruiters who are working on these entry level opportunities. Whereas in sales, that's not the case, you know? So there's actually recruiters and recruitment firms out there who are recruiting for these junior and entry level sales jobs. And so like, I think that's a great piece of advice. Um, okay. I've got one, one more question. Um, before we finish up, we're just going to back to you and, and your future. So if we were to sit down again in, five years time and have a chat and you said to me Stephen the last five years have been unbelievable I just can't believe it 
Um, I've had so much fun, just best five years ever. What is it that would have happened? Um, that's a good question. I think about that a lot. I don't have a, a clear answer. Uh, I think for the next two years, um, I'm in. I'm in it with, for the long haul with Wayflyer. We've had an amazing, uh, you know, couple of years starting off, and and there's so much more potential in the company. And obviously, one of the kind of first thirty, I I, I, I want to ride this thing until it gets to 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 where it it can be. Um, and then after that, go out and do something myself, um, whatever that may be. I don't know. Um, I'm obviously learning so much about the e-commerce space. I'm learning um, how and the, the I've learned the architecture of an e-commerce space, how that works. It sounds fantastic, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of considerations and a lot of sleepless nights. I would imagine for a successful or, or growing e-commerce businesses, there's a lot of fires to put out. But it sounds like a fantastic space to be in and and, and quite rewarding. So that's something I'd maybe explore um, or go into the service. Um, a service-based kind of business, you know, I will at that point have a lot of time in sales. I'll have a decent network. Um, so maybe I go into to something else where a bit of consulting or I don't know, recruitment, something along those lines. But if I, in five years time, had taken way for it where it, it deserves to be or been a part of that, and then make the first steps and, uh, and follow my face a few times doing something on my own. That would be a, a fantastic five years for sure. And hopefully married as well, I'm assuming. <laughs> Unless it's going to be a very long engagement. <laughs> of course. Yes, of course. I, 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 yeah, yeah. If, if Shannon was listening, she'd uh, clip me around the ear. Yes, I, I hope to be married as well. <laughs> I will be married. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you only have 50% of the responsibility in that. Um, goal so you know control the controllables <laughs> control the controllables yeah <laughs> exactly listen Jack thanks so much for coming on I think this is going to be really helpful for anybody who is in sales or considering getting into sales because you've given like a really good insight into what the job is like what the career is like the lifestyle outside of it you've obviously had a really interesting career yourself lots of different jobs lots of different successes um, and so yeah thanks so much no, thank you, man. I hope uh, anyone listening helped and uh, it's great to be here. I hope you enjoyed that chat that I just had with Jack and that you found it helpful. There was a few things that I took away that I found most useful or insightful. The first one was actually breaking down how commission and salary works for a salesperson. So understanding that when you say OTE, that means on target expectation, which means the total amount of money you'd make if you hit your target and how what 60-40 means. So if you've got that 100K OTE and it's a 60-40 split, that means you get 60 as part of your base and an extra 40 if you hit your commission. I was also really interested to hear how much people can make at those different stages um, of their career in sales. I really liked hearing about the traits that are needed to be successful in sales. So resilience came up as a really big one. There's going to be lots of losses and you're going to need to be able to brush them off and keep moving forward. And so definitely took that away as something that if you want to work in sales, you have to have resilience. He also is quite introspective. And I really liked hearing about that and how that helps him in sales. So the fact that, you know, if he has a bad month, he sits down and he tears it apart and figures out what did he not do well? What could he do better for the next month? And then acts on that plan. 
And it was really interesting to hear about how he uses that to deflate some of the pressure that can come with those targets and the commission that is lying on the other end of hitting those targets. I really enjoyed hearing his opinions on not having to be an extrovert to be good at sales, right? So I'm not an extrovert. I'm not really considering a career in sales, I would say, but it's very interesting to hear that an introvert can actually do really well in sales. Or maybe somebody who's kind of a little bit introverted, a little bit extroverted because of the importance of active listening. And so I think if you're an introvert and you're listening to this, hopefully you take away, actually, this could be a career that I could follow and that I could go into. And then also his kind of perspectives on not having to be a big party animal who's out whining and dining clients every single night in order to be successful. And in fact, actually sometimes the opposite path can lead you to be a very successful salesperson as well. So he kind of dispelled some myths for me that I would have had about sales and shone a light on some of the details of what the day-to-day life looked like. So I hope that you found that helpful. Do hit me up on LinkedIn and let me know what you thought about the episode. And if you've got any questions, either for Jack or that you want me to address in future episodes, do let me know. I really want to be able to kind of answer them and basically shine some light on any areas that you're interested in. I'll see you next time.